Welcome. You are listening to the Dawson Women's Ministry Podcast, everywhere you are. At Dawson, we recognize that women's ministry is not a class you join or a club you are a member of. Ministry is not confined to the four walls of a church building. It is not limited by life stage or circumstance. Rather, ministry is living a life of service everywhere you are. This podcast seeks to encourage you wherever you are, in the laundry room folding yet another set of towels, driving to pick up your children from school, taking a break for lunch at the office. We believe God calls each of us to be ministers everywhere we are. When you hear dynamic duo, who comes to mind? Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers? Batman and Robin or Frodo and Sam? If asked to name a Dawson dynamic duo, I wouldn't hesitate. Brooke and Donna. Don't be fooled by their preschool titles. Brooke and Donna share wisdom for all life stages in this episode. Are you college age and going on your first mission trip? Brooke shares a little something for you. Are you a mom to teenager or or adults? You don't want to miss Donna's encouragement. There's something in here for all of you. I'm Rachel Langston, and I'm here with Sarah Morland today, and we have Brooke Gibson, who's our minister to preschoolers, and Donna Allen, who's our associate minister to preschoolers, and we're excited about our conversation. So, Brooke, tell me, where are you today? Well, I'm Brooke, and I am um, married to Daryl. We've been married about 22 years, and we are currently navigating a relatively new-to-us life stage of parenting adult children. So I feel like preschool years have their challenges, teen years have their challenges, and we are now in a whole new world. And we also, during the pandemic, became grandparents. So that is a very fun new stage as well. I have been ministered to preschoolers at Dawson for 13 years, and I'm Donna and I agree that it is just one of the greatest jobs in the world and very rewarding to get to share God's love and word with preschoolers and really for just the honor that parents let us into their world and their lives. Other than that, I would say that I like to read and cook and be outside, and I am trying really hard to like exercising. (laughs) (laughs) So I was telling Donna, I can't believe it, but like the fourth Moreland is about to leave the preschool program. That's a sad day. Very sad. Mm -hmm. I know. I feel like it's a big deal. And we, I think that a lot of parents see that as kind of a, like something to mourn. Like Mm -hmm. we no longer have a preschooler. So it is something to mourn. Yes. Several years ago, I think one of our questions like as a staff was kind of like, how do you measure when? For us, it is when you see these children like running down the hall because they can't wait to get to church and to their classroom and to their teacher. I think along with what you said, just something that we always like to kind of brag on is, especially having been exposed to other places, how great our volunteer team is and people that have just served year after year. And that really is their sweet spot of how they serve the Lord by really showing Mm -hmm. up every week and loving these babies. And it's not always a spot that gets all the accolades and the... Do y'all remember Sophia was colic? And I will forever just be so thankful for the preschool ministry because it was so hard to get here. And she screamed the entire time. And we would come pick her up. And one of the little volunteers would have her off in the side room, 
like singing to her in the mm-hmm. dark, trying to calm her down. And those are the ones we love the best because we spend close time. Yes, yeah, you really mm-hmm. get to know them. We do. You we try do. not to hold it against them when they get <laughs> no. older and don't remind them. No, you are the worst. Baby. Oh, I was just reminding a teenager last night. I was like, you have no idea how long you spend in my lap. Oh, <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't remember. That's hilarious. But it was such an encouragement for me as a mom to be able to leave her and know that she was being cared for and loved, loved on. That's part of what we love. Mm-hmm. We love the babies, but we love watching the moms realize they are okay. Right. They're yes. okay with Because for some moms, that's their first time it to like hard. leave their mm-hmm. baby with another adult that's not family so and donna where are you today well i am donna allen associate preschool minister with brooke i've been married to my husband for nearly 37 years we have two grown sons 28 and 32 we are surprised how much we enjoy the empty nest you know you you wonder if you will and it's just really fun i don't know if it's fun to us because we really can just come home at night and do nothing or if we really enjoy being together. I'm not sure. We do like it. And really, reading is all I do in my free time. I babysit a lot, but um, reading all the time. That's what I want to do. It's really, yeah. But I have a bad habit of reading until like one or two in the morning, and then I have to be here. Do you have like stacks of to be read? I have. I go to the library. I'm a library girl. It's my happy place. In fact, the most I got upset during the pandemic is when I pulled up to the library and it said, you know, closed. I was like, they've taken my library too. It was horrible. But yes, I have a stack of books at home from the library and I plot along. But I don't have, I've thought about a Kindle, but I'm not very technical. So I know I would have more trouble figuring it out than actually reading from it. There's something about for me. And I like to hold a book. I like to smell a book. Mm -hmm. I like to, I just like a book. We were on a trip somewhere, I don't know, and my luggage seems to always weigh more than it's supposed to. <laughs> Strange. And I'm, I'm sometimes like switching into people's suitcases right there in front of the ladies at the weight counter. It's around. so embarrassing. And I had several books. You know, we were at a conference and I had like five books. Who knew which one I might like because they're hardbacks. Oh, yeah. And this conference provided a service if you bought a lot of stuff in their little you know marketplace they would mail it back for you so i I mailed back dirty clothes and hardback books (laughs) (laughs) i didn't mail back any you know items that i bought from them so you were just stuffing your clothes in the box in a box yes because i knew how much it was going to weigh and some hardback books went back too That's fantastic. I love it. I, I'm, I'm going to need to travel with you at some point. <laughs> I mean, I just... No, you don't need I, to. Poor Brooke. We have... we have. It's fun. It's I, fun traveling she, with Donna. We, are we have a good day. time. We have a good time. We compliment each other. Yeah. Poor Brooke went with me on my first mission trip this summer, uh, and I did fine. She did not great. Maintenance. We I'm really, it. I'm really... I'm trying it to... It sounds like you had to work at that. Well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> she does. You have to put on that hat. <laughs> Yes. So parenting adult children. I find myself like hearing my own words. Like I think I say to preschool parents so often, like the preschool years are physically exhausting as a parent and the teen years are more emotionally exhausting as a parent. This adult children, especially young adult children, it just feels like the stakes are so high. 
and all those things seem like a big deal in each stage, but in all of a sudden in the adult, like the decisions they make, they're making really do affect the rest of their lives and choosing their significant others and what they're going to study and where they're going to live. And then also kind of seeing that come back in the teen years there that you're really not the voice that they listen to and kind of navigating the how much of a voice do I have and what can I say that is helpful and yet still allows them to kind of have independence and autonomy. And Brooke and I both have married sons. And it's hard to be a mother of a married son. Mm -hmm. And to be a mother-in-law. And to be a mother-in-law. Because I feel like girls always want to ask their mama things. But we feel like our voice is just as important (laughs) and probably more important. yeah. Yeah. But it's been a very big learning curve for me because I don't know how to keep my mouth shut. And it's... (laughs) It's hard. And you hate to be negative. You hate to tell these preschool moms when they think, oh, my goodness, we're never going to get past this wringing their hands. You hate to sound negative and say preschool problems are preschool problems and they're huge. But as your children get older, the problems get bigger and more important and more at stake. And that sounds so scary. But goodness, I never knew that we would still, even though they're not living in our house, your heart stays heavy and you stare at the ceiling a lot. Y'all are speaking to me this morning because I have, you know, that span, the young uh and then the older teenage. And Tony and I just sometimes sit down at night and we think the teenage, what we're doing with the older two is just so difficult because the stakes are so much higher and your influence becomes less and less. That's just the truth. I think you have big influence, but there are all these outside voices that you have no control over. So what you're saying really is speaking to the struggle. Do you think some of that feeling like the stakes are just so high is our expectations of the kids or of whatever their their choices are going to be down the road or is it product of the culture we're in or I had a big learning curve to realize just because a child turns out differently just because they turned out differently than in my mama mind I had for them doesn't mean it's a bad turnout you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like God made them and he made them this way, even though I didn't really see that. Because sometimes they are different than you are. And and you're like. It's not what you thought the picture would uh look like, uh but it's not a bad picture. Right. Took a lot of prayer for me to, and I'm still not all the way there, but. But it's like that transition, too, because when they're little, you you are their world and you feel that you know them. Yes. Right? Because yes. you just study them all day. Mm-hmm. But then as they get older, they really do become their own person. Mm-hmm. And you're sort of surprised, yes. I think. Yes. Because you thought it was they were going to be one way based on how you observe them. But really, they're... And sometimes they're delightful surprises when mm-hmm. you see some of the things that they've become but then other things you're kind of like oh I don't know about that but then you're like well who am I to say right right yeah well and I was gonna say kind of like that just it is a hard stage a unique stage but also it is rewarding also to be able to like there's something about seeing your adult child like make an expression or something that you remember that baby that young child and I think parenting is hard and you do remember the hard things that happened and then to now look back and be like, wow, look at how God has been faithful to this and how this thing that we thought was so terrible has really become this gift in our lives.
lives. Even just this past weekend with one of our daughters, a Facebook memory popped up and she was like, oh, one year ago today, da, 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 da. And I literally said, okay, that was a year ago today. Stop. Like we really do just need to celebrate all that God has done in the year because it was a really hard, dark time a year ago today. And to see all the things that have happened since then, it was just kind of a sweet moment. There are those celebrations and little sweet glimpses of the good things that have come. I was talking to one of my sons this weekend. I mean, you know, I was telling how I felt like things need to be mapped out. And he said, but mom, I have prayed about this for so long, and I really think this is the answer. And it stopped me in my tracks. I was like, well, first of all, thank you, Lord, that he is praying. But then when am I going to learn to keep my mouth shut? (laughs) Can you look back on your life and see a particular season of growth in your faith? And has that been mirrored in your kids' lives in any way? I would say kind of in how like each parenting stage, about the time you think you have it figured out, something new comes along. I think just the realization, the older I get, that that's true for life and ministry as women for our whole lives. I think times of most spiritual growth have certainly come in seasons of difficulty and heartache or those kind of things. And for me, I would also say, and I guess we always think of the present, but within about a year and a half Fan. Our youngest graduated from high school, so we were technically empty nest, but my sweet dad was living with us at the time, and we were kind of caregivers for him, and then the pandemic came. That changed everything for all of our lives and our children. Dad passed away in October of 2020. Our grandbaby was born one month later, and then we went into the holidays. I always say that I am a processor, and I just really felt like all of these things have really happened, and I haven't had a chance to process. And so I think I've really been in a place of, I keep saying, well, I'm in a season of transition. I'm in a season of transition, but now I'm like, I've been saying that for a year. Like, what am I transitioning to? And I would not say an identity crisis. Like, I am confident in my identity in Christ and who I am and whose I am. But I think just a place of like, God, what is next? As this new parenting stage, as I think for Daryl and I kind of resonating with we are the top generation. His parents had already deceased. My dad was our last parent. And just, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird place. And so in theory, there is or should be more free time. We are enjoying dating. We never dated (laughs) without children because my husband was a single dad and we got married. So it is like, oh, wow, look at us. But just a lot to kind of pursue. And I don't really feel confident yet of what God says is next. But I think also that piece of, as you're going through it, you're really just thinking about the grief, but also you kind of later have that piece of like, what did I model for my children of walking through grief? What a profound realization that you're the top generation. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I think we were always so close with my parents that just that whole like, they're not I, there. And would yeah. I have that wisdom? And I, um, I had a really sweet moment this past summer in a Bible study here at Dawson. And this dear lady who was new to me was talking about, she said, you know, my mother, you know, I knew that she was praying for me every day. And I just had this moment of like, you know, what will that be now? You know, she's not there doing that. And she said, I just heard the Lord say to me, well, now it's your turn. And it really did hit me because that was so true of my parents and especially my dad, but just kind of that we are the top generation, but what is our responsibility 
spiritually and as deciding these are our family traditions and roles and all that. Well, and even in the church, I mean, as women, this idea of there are younger women, there are people behind us, mm-hmm. you know, not that we sit them down and say, here is my wisdom, but that there are opportunities for us to look at younger women and whether it's talking to them about parenting or talking to them about other things but to be the the old wise you know counselor that's one of the favorite parts of our job because the mamas are a great benefit I mean, I love the babies, but the mamas, it's so nice to get to know them. Yes. Mm -hmm. When they're really real and raw, when they're tired and overwhelmed, and they'll come and tell you everything. It's such a blessing. Like when you visited me in the hospital (laughs) after Grace was born and all the difficult things had happened. I know. I still remember that visit. I know. Mm. It just ministered. Mm. You guys do minister to the mothers and the the whole family. But I remember Tony and maybe Sophia walked with me and we did we have Grace in us you had her in a, in push, a push thing, thing. yes that's right yes that's right your goal that's was right. to make a lap that's after, right because I had had abdominal yeah. cesarean yeah. all that in the hard and tired in the hard and difficult and places and terrified and that we hope that they see that we are a safe place yes for Yes, because sometimes we feel like on Sundays, they're just barely arriving and getting their kids settled. So you'll hear us on Sunday morning say things like, there's no judgment on the preschool halls exactly. and or singing easy like Sunday morning. Because yes. right, right. Yeah. we hear, I don't have a diaper bag. They don't have their shoes up. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Well, how did y'all get to be where you are at Dawson? Like, how, did y'all set out to be preschool people? Is this what you thought you were going to do? Well, I have a weird story. Okay. She did. She had a plan. Oh, well, of course she had a plan. <laughs> I actually was a paralegal for a large law firm for 17 years before I started this job. Skirt. That's a different <laughs> it is. It was a different world. It was a different world. I was working downtown putting my children, you know, in a day school down there and walking three blocks to work and back and competition with billable hours and just a whole different lifestyle than who I am. And at the same time, we had joined Dawson about 34 years ago and I began to work in the nursery. I worked on Wednesday nights in little choirs. My husband started teaching kindergarten Sunday school. So it was kind of our niche anyway. The executive pastor here at the time was a dear sweet man. His name is Don Steen and he asked me to do some part-time organizing of the worship care here. So I was doing that while I was working downtown. And it got to where that was more hours and more hours at Dawson. And I thought, well, I'm just going to, I've always dreamed I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. I certainly was not going to be a working mom. We decided, okay, you quit your law firm job. You just do the part-time Dawson job and we'll just wing it and see how things go. Well, my husband got downsized like just a few months after we had this great plan. And we went along and limped along for a little while thinking that was okay. And Don would talk to me and finally one day he called me in and he said, I know y'all are struggling. You need a full-time job and you won't admit that God made you to be a working mama. He didn't make you to be this person you thought you were going to be. Because I was devastated. I'm like, I'm home finally. I want to be home. My kids were in elementary school. I mean, Don and I had a very hard talk and it took me a lot of prayer. And he was like, I recognize something in you that you're not paying attention to because you're blinded by I want to stay home with my kids. And so I decided I would take this full-time job at Dawson. And 22 later, years later, I mean, it is the biggest blessing. And I count Don Steen as my angel from God. 
He yes. completely changed my life and the life of our family too. And the life of our church. Oh, and you're kind. Countless, oh, truth. Countless yes. fans. You have definitely oh, been that's very kind. an it, influence in our life. Well, it's a blessing. Like Quinn Brooks said, we love our jobs. I feel like it's more of a lifestyle. I mean, we have long hours and we get frustrated sometimes, but it is just part of us. Yeah, it's a, that's great. It's, but you're a part of so many family stories. You know, when I they look thought back, about us being part of stories. You are. You're definitely part of ours. All right, Brooke. So you had yours was all planned out. Well, I think. I mean, it's, it is sweet and something that I don't take for granted. But you really cannot tell the story of Brooke without Dawson. And um, I think just, I was six months old when my family came to Dawson. We were the classic, every time the doors are open, we are here. And my parents really loved the Lord, but my parents absolutely loved the local church. And so I think I grew up in an atmosphere of you did not attend church. You served at church and you planned your life around the calendar of the church. And the relationships you built were with the people here. And so I think just growing up here and we know that the church is the people, not the place. And just there are so many dear people here. And I think I was involved in all the things and certainly had opportunities early on to serve. Actually, I served in the nursery under Donna Allen in my high school <laughs> is that years. crazy? Wow. Um, she is my super. I'm 90 in disguise. <laughs> no, no, you are not. No, you are not. When I was 15 on chapel choir tour, we were doing backyard Bible clubs and it was my first experience to really present the gospel to someone who had never heard it. This precious little boy named Eduardo. And that really is the moment that I think of as when God first called me to children's ministry. I did go to Sanford with the intent of, I want to be a children's minister and um, served right after college at a church in Leeds, the dearest, sweetest people. That's where I met my husband and our son. And so a special time. But when our daughter was born or when we were expecting her, we came back to Dawson, back home to Dawson. And I think just to see as a parent for my children to have that experience and to watch the people invest in them and really special was that a lot of volunteers who had been my Sunday school child my Sunday school teachers as a child and a student were now still teaching and had my children like that was a really cool moment but I think really so much Dawson did prepare me to be in children's ministry and God was very faithful in those years when our daughter was young to kind of let me keep my feet wet in ministry and kind of as soon as we got back here I started serving in preschool ministry with a little bit more and more and more responsibility and then when our former preschool minister Dawn had her first baby and was ready to move on I stepped into that role and into really a great team with Donna and with others and my life has never been the same I'm serious personally and professionally yes thank you but I think just I always say like I don't know that I would want to do this anywhere other than Dawson it's a sweet place to be at my home church and to serve and to be with these people it was really sweet to watch your dad watch you minister Oh, I mean, he would just sit and beam and soak it up. I'm oh, sure yeah. y'all saw too. Well, and you can't, I you know, obviously work in the communications department. You can't look at pictures of anything that he's not pictured, not only there, but he's serving. And mm-hmm. so many times he was serving with you and all of that. So, and I know your mom did a lot of that too. What a, what an amazing legacy that is. 
which I think is a unique characteristic of Dawson. There's so many yes. mm-hmm. families that are third and not fourth only generation. third and fourth generation, but the aunts and the uncles are here and the grandparents and the great grand, you know, I mean, that's a really amazing in this day and age. So are you a reader like Donna is? Yes, but I'm not as much of a reader as she is. I classify books as um, fun books and learning books. Okay. Um, and so I do read and then have recently kind of started this list of like books that I should have read or did read in oh, school yes. that I'm like, they I never read remember. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there's mm-hmm. a, I, you know, I was an English major at Sanford and in the 80s. And I think I may be one of the most poorly read English. Like I've read a ton of stuff, but it's not a lot of the classic things. I'm, I either haven't read it or I don't remember it. I recently read To Kill a Mockingbird, which at some point I read, but didn't really know. And then The Hiding Place, Corey Tim. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, I had never. That so it's those, it's those kind of books uh-huh. that I'm like, how have I never read these? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A beautiful a book. Yes. Oh, and so many underlined. And beautifully, of, yes, and beautifully written. Like, it's not just the readable. story. Yes. But mm-hmm. very, I remember I read it so quickly, and it read like fiction, which I appreciate when it's nonfiction uh-huh. and reads like mm-hmm. fiction. But also just these nuggets of wisdom, especially from her father, the conversations she would have with her father. If you had to write a book, what would it be about? I thought about that and decided that it would be a book for myself. I don't know that anyone else would ever want to read it, Um, but a book for myself, kind of part memoir, part devotional, part parenting advice, really based on things that my parents said, like that really reflected their personality, but ultimately kind of pointed to God as our Heavenly Father and um, to His Word. That would be a good book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on it. I'm on it. Um, But like, for instance, my mom really had a great sense of humor and y'all hear me talking that I often would come to her and say, I'm thinking about what do you think about? Maybe I could. And I would, you know, answer my own question and just keep talking. And my mom would say, is this a one person conversation or can anybody just jump in anytime? And I think kind of the spiritual flip of that is really thinking about prayer with God, that I know my most often prayers are me saying all the words to God. I'm having a dialogue with God. Yes, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so just the taking time to be still and to listen and to be in God's word and for, you know, let him say something as well. And then my dad, one of the things I loved about my dad is that if I ever was in a place where I needed help and I would say, dad, will you help me with blah, blah, blah? He didn't answer yes. He would say, I want to. Oh, isn't that sweet? That was his answer. I want to, which really just, I think is so much like our Heavenly Father who loves us so much that he can and does give us immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Would you share that book with your daughters? And Absolutely. Daughter oh, yes. And I think, and my sisters. I think, I think we might get pride out of <laughs> I just, when I hear Brooke saying, my dad said, my mom said, I just, I guess I'm just not a deep enough thinker. And it makes me sad because my mom died last year as well. And I wish I had all these memories of things they said. There's so many things I'm taking, I took for granted that I wish I had listened more to or written down. And I do mm-hmm. feel that. Because yeah, I think I, especially I, 
saying that last year with dad. Yeah. There were so many times yeah. that I remember being like, it's a pandemic and I have nothing to say. Like there's nothing for us to talk about at this meal. And now I'm like, why didn't we just get them to write everything down that they knew? Yeah. But I think there are some people in your life as you're growing up who are less verbal and more action oriented. Mm -hmm. Like I think of my grandfather who kind of helped raise me. You know, he never had a lot to say. He was kind of a quiet man, but he took my car to get the oil changed Mm -hmm. and cleaned it up and left me a little note, you know, have a happy end. You know, he was just always serving in different ways. And I think that's probably what I'll remember about Mm -hmm. him more than what he said Mm -hmm. was what he was doing. But tell us about what book you would write. Y'all, I really... (laughs) This is going to be a major edit. I got nothing. (laughs) Major edit. I thought one of y'all would have You could just read all the books. I mean, I love to read and, and tell stories and hear people's stories, but I don't know... You know, it's kind of like art. I love art, like love mm-hmm. going to art galleries, mm-hmm. but I, I cannot draw a stick yeah, figure. I just, I appreciate it so much, but it's not and my. sometimes when I'm reading, I'll stop and think, wow, how did she put all those sentences? And I'll go back and read just the description and think, such a talent that I don't have. I mean, and of course, I would be quick to speak for Donna and say the book I think that she should write is Let Them Be Little, because I think that is one of her mantras and something that she speaks well to our preschool moms often is don't rush it. Enjoy each phase. Please. Um, Yes. Let them play in the mud. Let them, you know. Right. Let them be home and play outside with their imagination. Yes. Mm -hmm. Don't hurry. Amen. Mm -hmm. Donna champions that What a great title. And she has a little sign on her desk that says, let them be little. (laughs) So think about what you like to eat when you're snacking. Salty or sweet. What's your go-to? I'm not very discerning. I'll take either. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Is there is there something like a dessert or a chip or a something along as that you just no matter what you cannot resist? Cheese. I would say salty <gasps> and with cheese. Salty cheese. and with cheese. I like so it. So you like chips and queso. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm just Coke Zero. As long as I've got a Coke Zero, I'm happy. Preferably in an IV. So do you like <laughs> yes. that? You're really more of a chemical girl. Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yes. Are not, you at the point where you can drink these? Like, can you drink them warm or no, like not? They yeah. need to be cold. But this is my second today, and it's what ten o'clock. So Coke's there have been there have been moments. Can I tell this? Of course. I don't even know what you're telling me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I was coming to her office, and she's like, "My heart tracing a little bit." <laughs> Listener, how are you feeling at the conclusion of this episode? Are you smiling like I am? Are you experiencing the joy that bubbles up in conversations between Christian believers? Perhaps you have been the recipient of Brooke's gentle greeting or Donna's thoughtful encouragement. Maybe there's someone else who has brightened your day. Let's not neglect to tell them of their influence. Or perhaps, if they share in Donna's enthusiasm, bring them a Diet Coke of Thanksgiving. As we end our time together, we pray this over you from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him 
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Everywhere You Are. If you or someone you know has a God story to share, we'd love to know about it. Please contact Kristen Torres to learn more about being a guest on the podcast. Also, please help us by sharing the show with the women you know and by subscribing on your podcast app so you can be notified when new episodes are available.